0: and welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast series, Sunny Side Up. I'm Paroma. I'll be your host for the day. Hi, John. Welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast, Sunny Side Up. It's great to have you here today. Why don't you tell the audience about yourself and let them get to really know you. You can tell them about your pet, your past work experience, and of course, a little bit about the story behind Intelligent Demand.
1: Thanks, Promo. It's great to be here. So a little bit about myself. I've been doing B2B-focused revenue growth in various forms for over 20 years in my career. I actually originally started out in finance. So I was like kind of a numbers guy when I was just a kid getting out of college. And then I got into mergers and acquisitions. So I learned a lot about acquisitive growth. But then I saw that everybody who was really having the most fun was doing organic growth. So, I ended up head of marketing, head of biz dev, head of sales for a series of tech and service companies. And then over the last 10 years, I've been running Intelligent Demand as the CEO and founder. And a little bit about Intelligent Demand in case uh, folks uh, haven't heard of us. You know, we're a B2B revenue growth agency, that's what we do. And I, I founded ID because back then, and even still today, I just didn't see very many agencies that were purpose built from the ground up to deliver as a partner, the key metric that CEOs and CROs and CMOs are increasingly being held to, and that metric is revenue growth. So what intelligent demand is as a partner and as an agency is really an ever evolving answer to the question, you know, what does it take in the real world to grow revenue in an innovative, measurable way that brings your brand to life? So yeah, that's a little bit about me and a little bit about Intelligent Demand.
0: Great. So we are going to ask you about some of your top revenue generation tactics and trends that you focus on for your clients. But before that, can you tell us what a typical day at work is like for you?
1: <laughs> well, to the degree that I have a typical day, because I'm lucky, I travel a lot. I have a really diverse schedule. But when I'm not traveling, when I'm in town, well, I wake up at like around 6.15, I make coffee, coffee. And then usually in the mornings is when I, uh, I I do a lot of my thought leadership reading. So I'm, every day mm-hmm. I spend some time, you know, reading because this market moves so fast. No one knows everything. You got to work yeah, on it every it's day. it's
0: important to keep up. Yeah. Right. And
1: also in the morning, that's when I'm I tend to be most creative. So I tend to write a lot. I'm a, I create a lot of content myself. And so I do a little bit of writing. Then I grab my dog, Izzy, and we drive into work together. I'm the one who drives the car, by the way. Izzy does not drive.
0: (laughs) But Izzy does all the work at work, right? (laughs)
1: Exactly. Yeah, very safety. But then, you know, it's it's, it's meetings with my team and clients and prospects, and then usually get home, uh, have dinner with my wife, work out, and try to get to bed.
0: Great. So let's get right to it. What are some of the top revenue generation trends you focus on for your clients? And what are the trends that you're seeing currently in the B2B and tech marketing industry today?
1: So many. Okay, trends. (laughs) I think the master trend right now in the B2B space has been, it is, and it will continue to be, I predict for a while, account-based marketing, Mm -hmm. account-based sales. We like to call it account-based revenue. And of course. Mm that's a That's a practice trend, but then it that spawns an explosion of technology and tools that are as you know, I'm sure uh, existing to help revenue growth practitioners actually uh, be able to do account based and do it at scale. So account based is a trend that I see, and but there's some more too. I'm seeing the continued rise of the sales development function inside of b2 b. I think that you go back even two, three, four years ago. Sales development was kind of a stepchild, and we're seeing it as a major driver in what an effective revenue growth program looks like. And similar to account based, I'm seeing an explosion of tools and technologies around supporting that sales development function. I could keep going. I'm going to let me give you a couple of more trends because I think these are important. Obviously, okay. we're seeing a renewed And deeper, more serious focus on data, 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 data. Uh And I think that's driven by account based, but it's also driven by um, the rise of privacy laws, whether it's GDPR uh, in the EU or or the CCPA in California. Uh Uh, And also personalization is driving organizations to take their data layer way more serious than they have in the past. And then a couple of other things that come to mind is we're seeing B2B companies finally start to take customer experience seriously and i think that's a important thing that's going to be transformative as well those are a few that i see
0: great so we are going to talk about account based marketing obviously because no b2b conversation is complete without it but right. uh, let's dive into marketing and how it's evolved with this whole confluence of marketing and martech it's always been considered a cost center marketing as a department but now it's being held responsible for revenue it has to be more performance oriented so What are some of the biggest mistakes companies make when transitioning from the old to the new in this case? And what are the biggest challenges that you see teams make when they are making this transition?
1: And you're talking about the transition from marketing being a cost center to being a real revenue driver?
0: Yes. To being more Mm. performance driven. Absolutely.
1: This is one of my favorite topics because this is literally Mm -hmm. why I founded and started Intelligent Demand. And that transition Mm -hmm. that you're talking about in, in this question right now. We call it real revenue transformation because it's not a single thing. It really needs to be looked at as a transformational shift. And when I look at the mistakes, I think your question was, what are the mistakes that companies make? A few right. come mm-hmm. to mind. One is the mistake of thinking that, if, that you can buy software and that it will somehow magically transform you. That's a mistake. It's not that you don't need technology but thinking that technology alone can transform you is a big mistake. It's not um, enough. Yeah. And I think another mistake, again, we're kind of using the negative. There's a positive version of all of these. But the, but another mistake that we've seen is not approaching that transition in an integrated, in a holistic way that puts your customers at the center. And so what I mean by that is we see a lot of companies try to grow revenue and grow marketing's role in growing revenue by thinking of it as disparate activity-focused tactics and also forgetting that at the end of the day, our target clients and target prospects, they really kind of don't care about us. <laughs> they really care about their needs, their opportunities yes. by connecting the dots with an integrated approach and also using an outside-in approach. I think that's, that's how you avoid that mistake. Um, and I think, I think the other mistake I see is thinking that marketing alone can transform revenue performance. I mean, in B2B, we know, we know that revenue growth is a team sport. And so one of the biggest recommendations I would have for modern B2B marketers is to understand that you have to have deep cross-functional partnerships inside your company. And that's one of the reasons why I actually hate the phrase account-based marketing, and I prefer account-based revenue. You can't do account based marketing if you do, do it, it through the lens of just marketing you're not you're going to fail <laughs> it needs to be account based revenue
0: right. they have to support each other so yeah so it's a little bit of account based marketing account based selling so you have right. account based revenue
1: yeah
0: right coming to the mistakes so one of the things that i've observed because um, we are in the industry as well as a tech marketing team is when it comes to hiring because today's marketing team is meant to be more performance driven when you hire people who may have had a lot of experience in older formats, they may approach a marketing strategy very differently. And it may not align to your goals because they're used to something else. So that's what I see often. So just sharing it. Yeah. So now let's dive into a little bit of account-based marketing, our favorite topic. So as you say, account-based revenue, it's been the rage for a while now in this domain. What are your typical suggestions for enabling better results from a B2B ABM cadence? Yeah. In the sense of how many touches should a campaign have? What data, what metrics should teams be focusing on more?
1: This is a big topic, <laughs> um, but I'll give you some some high level thoughts. And what's interesting is literally earlier this week, I just gave a keynote at the ABM Revealed event to three thousand marketers and sellers and customer success folks, and it was on this exact topic. So that the, the timing of it is funny. So it's fr- it's fresh in my mind. So if it sounds like I just was working on this, it's because I was just working on this. Oh. So okay, so how do you get better at account based Is kind of what I think your mm-hmm. question sort of was, and. I have a couple we, of thoughts about that. Yeah. One is and I'm about to launch a blog about this so if people want to drop by our website we could they can they don't have to take notes but basically there are seven account-based success pillars. And I know it's really mm-hmm. weird to name them but I'm going to name them. And before sure. I do people who are listening you you can write this down or you can go to our website and check it out but basically my advice is by applying And committing to getting a little bit better every day, every week, every month at these seven success pillars, I promise you, you will not only have a better and more effective account-based program, but you will also just grow B2B revenue. Because what's cool about it is that these seven principles or pillars aren't just account-based. They're actually how you grow B2B revenue. So the first one is alignment, stakeholder alignment. you got to commit to that throughout your journey. Second one is strategy. And by there, it's kind of what I was talking about a second ago, having an integrated customer centric approach, not random tactics. Third pillar is targeting. I mean, obviously, at the core of account based, it says not every account is equally valuable to you. And so you need to understand which ones are more valuable and relentlessly target the ones that mean the most for you or you can win at your company personalization, huge, huge pillar. That's a journey. Most companies are frankly doing a horrible job at personalization. That's okay. But by getting better and better at personalization incrementally step-by-step, that makes a huge difference. Fifth pillar is channels. And by channels, what I mean is traditional channels, digital channels, event channels, and even what we call human channels. So uh, sales outreach, CSM outreach, SDR. So orchestrating and synchronizing your use of those channels so that you crazy idea so that you come across to your prospects and customers as if you're one company, not a random grab bag of fragments. Sixth pillar is data. It's so critical to get your data layer right. And then the last one is measurement. That's the seventh pillar is bringing a different and better approach to measurement. And specifically there in relative to account based is use measures that make Marketing people sound less crazy to salespeople, (laughs) is what I mean. Use things like account-level engagement, account-level conversion, appointments, opportunities, and closed one. When you talk to sales and you measure marketing's impact the way sales measures their impact, that's not only, frankly, easier and better, but I think it also helps you align sales and marketing. So those are the seven success pillars that we've identified, and we help our clients actually apply those.
0: That's all very relevant and very interesting. Thank you for these, you know, seven pillars. We're going to write about it as well. So now let's dive into hyper-personalization because is the need of ER, especially in the B2B marketplace, what are the best ways to achieve this and relevancy at scale? Because that, that seems to be a challenge a lot of marketers are still struggling with, marketers and salespeople.
1: Well, okay. So personalization. And you actually said hyper-personalization, which is the, the latest buzzword. So here, here's what I honestly think. I'm going to get candid and real. What I see in the market across lots of different company sizes and industries and use cases is most B2B companies have a long, long way to go in the area of personalization. So when you say, hey, how do you hyper-personalize, frankly, I think in most companies, they're still trying to figure out how to foundationally personalize, just basic personalization. I mean That's what I really see out there. And I mean, some companies are way ahead of others, but the vast majority of companies are still figuring it out. But if you're talking about how to do it, how to do it at scale, again, my first thing would be I wouldn't necessarily start by buying a bunch of software. What I would do instead is I would say, hey, pause think deeply about your target audience at the segment level, at the account tier level, and also at the persona level. So like actually slow down and get to know your audience. That's the first step. Second is understand and think deeply about the kinds of experiences that you want to create for them. So you like be strategic and intentional and ask yourself, what kinds of experiences do I want to create for these personas and these accounts? Because it's not always just about personalization tokens in your Marketo instance, right? Dear first name, Mm -hmm. dear industry. And then third is, okay, now that you know who you're talking to and what kinds of experiences, the next thing, and this sounds really basic, but it's amazing how many companies skip this, is what do you want to say to them that they will actually care about, (laughs) right? Because everybody wants to just Quick, sign my proposal. I get it, but they don't care about that. So you got to find topics and themes that they're going to care about. And then the next piece, and this is hard in most companies, is you can't personalize effectively at all, and you certainly can't personalize at scale if your data layer. Is all messed up. Sorry, don't kill the messenger, but that's the truth. So you're going to have to get serious about your data layer. So when you have those four things starting to come, and they don't have to be perfect, but once you start to have those four elements in place, then you can start to execute personalization. But I would still recommend that you don't try to do it in one step. Instead, I'd recommend that you, you pick various experiences or areas of your revenue program where you can bring better personalization. So it might be, I mean, the obvious place to start for most companies is email. Start to personalize an email. A next good place is your website. How can you bring more personalized experiences to your website? Another one is your digital advertising. There's amazing things you can do to personalize messaging in digital advertising. And then a fourth one I would recommend is leveraging content experiences creating content experiences, content hubs where you can personalize not just at the account level, but you can take it all the way down to the individual level. So those are some high level. That's how I would recommend approaching personalization.
0: Thanks, John. Those were some great tips on personalization. So if you had to share five best ways to shorten a typical B2B sales cycle, because we all know how lengthy that can be in this marketplace, what Mm -hmm. would they be?
1: It's B2B, right? So we know that they tend to be at least 90 days. Uh, we have some clients that have 24 month sales cycles. So one thing I would say is, okay, so if you want to shorten your sales cycles, what I would do is I would do a better job at segmenting your ICP, your, your contact database, if you will, mm-hmm. by segment, uh, so like industry segment by use case segment by account. So that's the first thing. The second thing is once you start to segment them, you can start to find out which ones have a uh, surging intent. So leveraging intent data can be a huge way to shorten sales cycles. Now, once you've mm-hmm. isolated and segmented your big market or your big contact database and then identified which of those segments might have surging intent, crazy idea, pull them into a content experience that is personalized. So that goes back to your last question is pull them into personalized content experiences. that are really speaking to them in highly relevant ways. And then the other thing that I've seen has huge, huge impact on Shortening sales cycles is really tightening up the collaboration and the alignment between your demand program and your SDR team, your inbound Mm -hmm. and outbound SDR team. That can make a big difference for teeing up opportunities and appointments for your AEs, your sales team.
0: So, of course, in all of this, um, you know, you just said that teaming up is obviously going to have a big impact, but there's obviously a lot of friction between marketing and sales. That's a very common problem in, in this industry. So what are a couple of your thoughts or best practices that you could share so teams could probably try and minimize this problem?
1: This is the holy grail, isn't it, Promo? How do we get sales and marketing on the same page and keep them on the same page? I wish that I could give you a silver bullet.
0: I once had a CMO on a previous episode say they should just sit down and get a drink together. That's all. Oh, that I love that. Go. That's a great
1: <laughs> idea. Yes, it's amazing what a good stiff bourbon will do for marketing and sales alignment. <laughs> um, but in addition to drinking together, which should be the first step, you're probably right. Here's a couple of thoughts. I recommend trying to create or creating a cross-functional revenue leadership team. Head of marketing is in there, head of sales, head of customer success. If you have a revenue operations function or sales ops, marketing ops, get that person in there. And Mm -hmm. at least Mm -hmm. quarterly, preferably monthly, but at least quarterly have the people who are most responsible for driving revenue growth, get in the same room and look at their performance metrics of their, whether they like it or not, shared integrated revenue program, their revenue engine, and make them (laughs) realize that every one of them relies on every other person. And that's true for everyone who reports to them. So their teams. So starting a cross-functional, if you don't have that And not just have it, but you need to make sure that there is authentic, candid conversation in those meetings. So that's one thing I would recommend. Mm -hmm. Second thing is I've been a B2B marketer mostly, most of my life. And so I'm allowed to say this, okay? Marketing needs to move closer to sales when it comes to their measurement and their terminology. We know that salespeople for years, and even CEOs for years, have looked at marketing and and thought, oh my God, did I get it? should I fund it? Is it working? So I think marketing needs to continue to step up to the plate and not be a lackey to sales. I'm not saying go go and be their customer service rep, but I'm saying really change the way they, they talk and change the way they measure their impact to be closer to the way sales does it. And then the third thing, and this is this might be controversial, but again, after doing this for 20 years, if you see a company where sales and marketing are just fighting, not on the same page, misaligned, we need to also be honest and say that is the CEO's responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't hear that enough in our market. The CEOs are responsible for the success of the company. So if their marketing and their sales team are fighting or not on the same page, it's not just marketing and sales that has to solve that. It's the CEO. And I think a lot of CEOs, I got to be careful. But I think a lot of CEOs duck their responsibility in that area. And I think it's time for them to step up.
0: Very, very interesting. And uh, the last one, especially, of course, because uh, I think the primary responsibility of a CEO is to help the teams integrate and coordinate between them, coordinate efforts towards one common goal. So, of course, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So let's talk about the MarTech and sales tech products that you think would gain more attention for the rest of the year or the categories that will get more attention in the next coming months.
1: Okay, so... I mean, obviously, AI and machine learning, I think we're still in the early days of understanding what that really means, but it's already proliferating everywhere, not only in B2B, but in B2C. So, Mm -hmm. And I don't think AI and machine learning are – it's obviously not a product. It's actually a capability that is being woven into every product category. So I don't think that's like a product, but I think it's a capability that can't be ignored. And, again, I think we're in the early days of understanding – what it's going to do for us and maybe even to us, to be frank. No one is. I think we're seeing the continued maturation and proliferation of sales engagement platforms. So, like SalesLoft, Outreach, InsideSales.com, platforms like that. Not only are they already making a big difference. But they're also really rapidly improving and expanding their own capabilities and feature set with natural language processing. There's just a bunch of really interesting things happening around sales engagement. Obviously, ABM platforms, they've already come out. But I think they're in the early days of building out what's possible within an account-based platform, whether it's attribution, whether it's advertising, whether it's account selection. I think another area within account-based platforms that we're seeing rapid changes in and, and progression is in how account-based uh, platforms can support sales. So the sales enablement piece. Mm-hmm. And then I think another thing um, is most companies are still figuring out how to leverage intent data. So I think that that's a that's a trend that started in 2018, but I think it's really beginning to cross the chasm in 2019 and 2020.
0: Great. So, would you be comfortable talking about some of the martech or sales tech products that you use at Intelligent Demand, that your team uses?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can definitely. We are constantly using and testing platforms because it's part of our role as a revenue growth partner for our mm-hmm. clients, right? So they come to us and say, "Hey, John, hey, Intelligent Demand, we are here in our journey. This is our current tech stack. Help us understand how we should evolve that tech stack." In a strategic way so happy to talk about this obviously you know we use we're deep deep users of marketing automation so adobe marketo salesforce pardot salesforce marketing cloud eloqua hubspot we actually work in all of those literally every day the primary crm system we we work in is salesforce although we also sometimes work in microsoft dynamics intent data we're mostly seeing and leveraging bombora and demand base intent data data append you know, at Everstring, DiscoverOrg, D&B. There's a whole slew of tools we use around personalization, PathFactory, Uberflip, Follows, SnapApp, Sigster, PFL or Sendoso, and we're also developing our own in-house developed custom technology tools around interactive assessments and personalization tools. Mm-hmm. CDP okay. is another platform that we're increasingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, using uh, in house, but also with our clients. Obviously, uh, ABM, so Demand Base, Terminus, Triblio. We really like Mentigo for predictive. I know there are other mm-hmm. platforms out there as well. And then attribution tools like Visible or Bright Funnel, I think is now Terminus. And then BI tools like Tableau, Google Data Studio, Domo.
0: Well, that's a great stack. (laughs) John, thank you so much for your time here today. And we enjoyed this conversation. And uh, before we wrap up the day, are there any few words of advice you'd like to share with everyone? You know, it could be about anything, maybe work-life balance, anything.
1: Yeah, this has been fun. I I appreciate it. Parting thought would be, and I think about this actually more and more. um, What I would leave with everybody is, you know, anybody listening to this podcast is probably excited about their role. And and let's be honest, you probably have a bunch of big expectations and a lot of pressure. So my piece of advice for myself, for my team, and even if I can be so bold for you listening to this podcast is you got to remember to take care of yourself and you got to remember to have some fun because as consequential and exciting as impactful as we're trying to be, this is not everything that matters on earth. (laughs) just isn't and we got to remember we got families and community and we have ourselves to take care of so just remember to have fun and take care of yourself that's my advice
0: great john thank you so much for your time here today i hope you have an awesome day ahead
1: no oh, thank you